0: We're going to listen to the Bible now, and uh, we've been working our way through John's Gospel, and it's just been just wonderful. I know Edward and I have just really enjoyed going through John's Gospel. I hope you're enjoying it too. Just hearing Jesus and what he said and seeing what he did. He is so amazing. Jesus is so brilliant. There is no one like him. And so we're going to continue in uh, chapter 8. So if you've brought your Bibles, if you have them with you, uh, verse 12. Otherwise, if it hasn't gone down again, we're going to have the words on the screen. John chapter 8, verse 12 to 30. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are right, because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me, In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the father who sent me. And then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, in brackets. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you? they asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable, and what I have heard from him I tell the world. They did not understand what he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me, The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. And even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. John's reason for writing his gospel is that you may believe that Jesus is who he says he is. That's John's agenda in the gospel that you may continue to believe in Jesus, that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John, unlike the other Gospels, focuses much of his attention on Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem. 80% of John's Gospel is focused on Jerusalem and what Jesus said there, particularly to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of the day. Most of what Jesus has just said in that passage is focused on the religious leaders of the day. John focuses on the feasts and we're still here in the Feast of Tabernacles. From chapter seven right through to chapter eight, Jesus is here in this amazing celebration of the tabernacle. And two of the key features in the Festival of Tabernacles was light and water. We looked at water a few weeks ago, and today we're looking at the theme of light. I don't know what uh, feelings you associate with darkness, if I could ask you that question. If you can just think in your mind what you associate with darkness. It may be just a good night's sleep. It may actually be fear. It may be being lost. I don't know if any of you were afraid of the dark when you were little, or if you still are. I remember asking my parents to keep a light on, on the landing, because I was afraid of the dark. I remember when we first moved to Chipping Camden, Hermione and I, and Karis, in 1996, before streetlights were invented. <laughs> before streetlights were invented in back ends. I remember the first week going out to a midweek meeting and seeing people with torches. I thought, this is strange. I've come from South End and London before that. Uh, never saw people carrying torches at night, so I thought maybe it's a custom in the Cotswolds. Left the meeting about ten fifteen and realised why people carried torches in Camden because it was pitch black and on back ends there were no street lights then. And I, we just moved into the house. I stumbled back, falling into bushes, finding my way back to the manse. It was so dark. Sometimes it's amazing. The other night when the full moon was out, it was so bright. It was amazing. I don't know what other things you associate your most vivid memory of a dark place is. My most vivid memory of a dark place is going potholing. I just think that's a bad idea. I was a youth leader. We were doing lots of activities with these children. Horse riding, that was dangerous. Rock climbing, that was dangerous. Abseiling, very dangerous. And potholing, I hated it. Absolutely hated it. We went underground. We had to sort of crawl through narrow spaces. But it was all right because we all had those helmet things, you know, hats. Hard hats with lights. And then the leader got us all together and he said, Now we're going to do something really exciting. I thought, Oh, and he said, We're going to turn off our lights. It was not exciting, it was terrifying. We all turned off our lights. You could not see anything. Your hand in front of your face, you could not see. It was so dark. And your fears kind of rise what if the lights don't come back on what if there is no way out of this place it was kind of scary I don't think darkness is good actually and if you think about it light is crucial for life If we didn't have light, if we didn't have the light of the sun here on planet earth, nothing would live. No plants would live. Nothing would live. You and I would not live without the light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in. In darkness. These amazing words of Jesus were spoken at the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles was a week long celebration. Tens of thousands of people would be in Jerusalem. They would remember the days when God led them through the wilderness and they lived in shelters. And the whole of Jerusalem would be covered with these shelters. They would go out of doors and and make shelters in the streets, in the courtyards, even in the temple courts, booths and tents. And they would live out for the week. And they would celebrate how God led them. He led them by a pillar of smoke in the day and a pillar of fire at night and they would not go unless god led them they would not move on moses just said we're not moving unless god moves and whenever god moved they moved with him the other significant features of this festival were water when they pro- remember that god provided water that in the wilderness and remember what jesus said about that come to me all who are thirsty Streams of living water will flow. John wants us to know that Jesus fulfills the promises in the Old Testament. He wants us to know that Jesus fulfills the feasts. That's why he majors on them, Passover, tabernacles, dedication. Jesus fulfills them all. There was another great symbolic event in this festival At the end of the first day of the celebrations, great big golden lamps, four of them, huge candelabras were lit in the temple courts amid great rejoicing and singing and dancing. The light was so bright that it lit up most of the city of Jerusalem. It meant the celebrations could go on all night. Looking back to when God had led them, With that pillar of fire. And the Old Testament is littered with symbolic imagery and words about God and light. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Psalms. A Christmas reading. A people walking in darkness have seen a great light. For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. Jesus prophesied 600 years before he was born and God will be their light and it's the promise that goes running right through scripture God will be their light Jesus says that when he comes again we won't need the light of the sun because he will be our light we can't imagine new heaven, new earth what he's going to remake he will be the light God will be the light. At the end of the celebrations, on the last and greatest day of the feast when Jesus cries out, come to me all who are thirsty, the other event that happens at the end of the feast is the lights are put out. The lights are extinguished. The city falls once again into darkness. And it's at that time, that as a backdrop that Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Picture that amazing celebration. And they've been singing and dancing and rejoicing before God and remembering how God had led them. And Jesus, when the lights go out, says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you'll never be in darkness. The way John introduces Jesus at the beginning of his gospel, in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it and cannot overcome it. See, light always wins over darkness. You notice that. Go into a dark room. Even just one little candle will just obliterate the darkness. Breaks it. Darkness cannot overcome it. John says the true light that gives light to the world was coming into the world. So Jesus clearly makes this amazing, bold statement that he is the light of the world. Not just the true light for Israel, but for the whole world. Not just for one day or for a week, but forever and for everyone. He is the light of the world. For anyone who would dare to believe in him, trust in him, And the claim has cosmic significance, a divine significance, that the Pharisees, the religious people of the day, understood what Jesus was saying. Here begins the moves to kill Jesus. He will be accused of blasphemy. He will be accused of, you a mere man claim to be God. That's the charges that they will bring against Jesus. Because they understand what he is saying. But they themselves refuse to believe. They're not folk who are willing to be convinced, they are folk who refuse to believe. Spiritually blind and lost in the darkness. They will even accuse Jesus of being in league with the devil. That's how far they're prepared to go. But they come up with all sorts of other things. You can't be your own witness. You just can't say, who do you think you are? You on your own, just saying these things. You can't be your own witness. Jesus actually says, yes, I can. But I'm not on my own. The Father who sent me testifies who I am. But actually, Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. He knows who he is, he knows where he came from, he knows where he is going, and they don't. Oh, isn't he from Nazareth? Isn't he a carpenter's son? Isn't he? That's not what Jesus means. He knows where he is from and he knows where he is going. He has been sent from his father. He says, I stand with the father who sent me, I am not of this world. Jesus says the most amazing things. You just think about what Jesus is claiming here, what Jesus is saying. It is extraordinary. He even ups the ante with these religious people and says basically they're unsaved and hurtling towards God's judgment. That's going to really please them. That's going to make friends and influence people, isn't it? You're going to die in your sins if you do not believe that I am. And you and I would think, that's not the best evangelistic approach to people, is it? You're going to die in your sins unless you believe that I am who I say I am. Jesus says again, when you've lifted me up, crucified, then you will know that I am who I say I am. Do you notice, Jesus says, I am a lot. I'm the bread of life. I am the door. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the vine. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the resurrection. And these are direct echoes from the Old Testament encounter that Moses had with God. Do you remember the account where Moses meets God by a bush that's not burning, but it's burning? And something amazing is happening. The bush is burning, but it's not burning. And he approaches the bush and God speaks to him and tells him to take off his sandals because he's standing on holy ground. Do you remember that? He's, God, Moses is on the run because he's fleeing from Egypt, but God has chosen him to lead the people of God out of Egypt, out of slavery. God meets with Moses and Moses starts making up all sorts of excuse why he can't be used by God. And one of the things he says is, I'm not going to go and lead those people unless you tell me your name, God. Unless you tell me who you are and why you sent me, I'm not going. Do you remember what God says? God says, tell them I am sent you. I am who I am. That's my name. God says, that's my name. When Jesus walks on this earth, what does he say? He says, I am. He and the Father are one. Jesus is God in the flesh. And the Pharisees understood it so well. How can you, a mere man, claim to be God? That's exactly what Jesus is saying. He says, I stand with the Father. The Father and I are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He even says to the Pharisees, if you knew the Father that you claim to know, you would know who I am. If you are genuinely seeking after God, you will discover me. As Eddie Lyle so amazingly told us last week of how many people are coming to know Jesus in the Muslim world because the genuine seekers after God will see Jesus because that's who he is. If you do not believe that, says Jesus to these religious Pharisees, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Jesus confronts them with this uncompromising claim. You judge by human standards. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. This is a rag rag to a bull. Not only is he saying to the religious Pharisees, you're lost and hurtling towards judgment, but they see themselves as the official guardians of the truth. I'm amazed when I read the Gospels how those who are regarded as sinners love Jesus and those who regard themselves as good religious people hate him. Because he puts his finger on the fact that they are to represent God and they are not. He has come to save the world to anyone who would believe, to anyone who would recognize who he is. And that really affronts the religious leaders. He says that they are lost in darkness because they refused to see the light. They refuse to see the light. This is an affront to modern ears as well, isn't it? It's an affront to the claim that Jesus is unique. That he is the way to salvation. That he is the one who can forgive sins. It sounds arrogant and indefensible, Surely no one can claim to be the truth, be the light. Surely there's light in so many places. Surely there's truth in so many places. And we would be the first ones to stand for religious tolerance. That everyone has a right to believe what they want to believe. Of course they do. But we are not the ones who say that Jesus is the same as everybody else. He is not. He is unique because of who he is. Everything hinges on who he is. He is not just one among many. He is not just a good man. Although he was a good man. He is not just a prophet, among many prophets. The amazing claim that John is making through this gospel that he says Jesus is making is that he is God in the flesh, himself, come to save the world. That he is the way, the truth, the life. That God has tabernacled among us in person. The Word became flesh and made um, His dwelling among us. He alone has paid the price for human sin. He alone has opened the gates of heaven. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. He alone rose from the dead and conquered the grave. He stands alone. We do not believe in a pick-and-mix culture. That It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Jesus is the truth. We believe it. Because we have experienced Jesus. And his love and his grace and his forgiveness and his hope and his peace. We are witnesses to that. We might not be able to answer everyone's questions. I certainly can't. Approaching my 40th Alpha course, there are still questions I cannot answer. I'll never be able to answer. But I know Jesus. And that's who I testify to. Jesus says to these religious folk, if you don't acknowledge me, you will die in your sins. Because who can forgive you your sins? Being good enough, turning over a new leaf, following your meditation or whatever it is that you're into, does that forgive your sins? Jesus says he alone can forgive sin. And it is an affront to the world. But it's either true or it's not true. It's either true or it's not true. And whatever goodness, goodness, insights, wisdom from other philosophies, other ways of life, other religions, even Judaism, they still need Jesus, the Messiah. And Jesus' invitation is to all. It's not exclusive, it's inclusive to all who would believe. All may come, all may receive. Come to the light of the world, and you will never walk in darkness. I remember the first moment I realized who Jesus was and the reality of stepping out of darkness into light when I knew who Jesus was I do remember the days when I dismissed him when I didn't even think about him when I actually thought he was irrelevant that actually the claim that he is the one was outrageous I remember those days but he has convinced me and I stake my life on it stake eternity on it and I want to tell as many people as I can don't you And don't you struggle with sometimes why you can't get it out and why they think you're mad? Well, take courage, they thought exactly the same, of Jesus himself. He is light for this dark world. Where his light shines, the darkness disappears. Our ministers met together. We have book club and we go through books and we challenge each other. One of the phrases that came across in our reading this week was there is no irredeemable harm that can befall us who believe in Jesus. No irredeemable harm can befall us. Doesn't mean we'll coast through life, never have problems, never have difficulties, but no irredeemable harm will befall befall us because we are held in Christ. He says he is the light of the world. If you follow him, you'll never be in darkness. You'll never be lost. And what does that mean for us who do follow him, do continue to believe in him? It means that we can surrender to him. It means we can abandon ourselves to him. It means that we can be content no matter the circumstances of our lives because he is there. And it means we can participate in what he's doing. We're here because he is doing something. None of us said, oh, it'd be a good idea to start a church in Chipping Camden." God thought of that. And all through the years, he's been drawing people and drawing people and drawing people and using them and using them as a witness. And here you are and here I am, 2013. And we want to reach more people for Jesus because he is the light of the world. He is the hope of the world. He is the savior of the world. And there are so many lost people who are walking in darkness and you know them and I know them and some of them are in our own families and we cry over them, we weep over them but we keep on praying, we keep on witnessing because only God saves, we cannot save. Now I know there are some who refuse the light but there are many who would accept it if only someone told them. That's where we come in. Yes, that's our job. Yes. Jesus is amazing. There is no one like him. Don't let anyone try and persuade you that he is just like someone else. There is no one like him. He is the light of the world.